recording. Oh, Lord. Okay. Is that the red dot beeping? Yes. Okay. All right. Hello, everybody. Once again, it's time for your favorite podcast. It's the Khalil and Chi Show. Oh, wait a minute. Is it the Chi and Khalil Show or the Khalil and Chi Show? Oh, my gosh. What? You you don't even remember. Oh, I'm old. And it gets it gets fuzzy sometimes, but yo, it's the Chi and Khalil show. It's your boy Khalil. Your girl Chi's here. Hey, she's dealing with that pause a lot better this week. So we're gonna have an exciting talk today. Perpetuating nonsense. It is fake news. Fake news. Okay. Well, we're glad you're back. We're glad you're back, and we're glad you're here with us, out here giggling, ready to talk trash today. All right. So yes. So on today's version of the Khalil and Chi show, we're calling it Khalil and Chi because Khalil Jr., who's rolling his truck around, which you can hear, may interject his point of view from now on. Hey, Khalil, come here for a second. There's a truck! That is a truck. That is a truck. Now, what's the best, the best college? Say, go Gators! Go Gators! Oh, no! Right. <laughs> we're going to lead off with one of our newest little segments. And it's going to be called Black Lives Matter before it was Black Lives Matter. We're going to go through some of the history of the black empowerment movement in the United States because it's been going on for centuries. And there's a lot of people that did a lot of work that made some changes that are very important. But it's important to go back and look at what mainstream America said about the movement then because it's the same thing that the mainstream movement is saying about the movement now. So you'll think twice about posting something that's saying like, Oh well, protests shouldn't turn to riots, but murders shouldn't turn into I mean arrests shouldn't turn to murders. Like, can we just stop with the riots and acting like the rioters are the violent ones? Like it's there's been years and years and decades and centuries of violence and Well, I just don't even like the fact that like sorry to interrupt. I just don't like the fact that the it's whether it's the media or just people want to conflate the fact that there are folks who are deliberately going into these spaces and causing trouble. I mean, that happens everywhere. That happens all the time. And then to blow that piece up and make it into like, well, the protesters, people who are actually saying black lives do matter are the ones who are inciting the violence is like the greatest gaslighting conspiracy theory ever. Well, above and beyond that, like even if it is the actual protesters, it doesn't Mm -hmm. really matter because they're saying, we should, you should stop killing us. And the police response is actually violence. Like the police are still being violent yes. to the protesters. Mm-hmm. So to yep. act like the violence is coming from the group that is being oppressed and actually the victims of the violence. And is just solely the group oppressed. that's being oppressed. Not like it, it's like they're the ones who are holding all the violent activities and actions in nature as okay. if. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we like if you listen to Biden's uh, speech, angry speech about South Africa that we posted, and that was in the notes of the mm. last podcast. Like you can basically just apply that to the United States. But anyways, that was a long, long intro into <laughs> who we're going to talk about today, which is Stokely yes. Carmichael, who eventually hey. changed his name to Kwame Ture. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a brother man that was born in Trinidad in Tobago or Tobago. Trinities can go ahead and correct me and be mad because you got triggered with both of those. One of them that I said, but. So he's when he was about three, his parents immigrated to, to the United States, to New York. He stayed with his grandma. And then when he was 11, he moved to Brooklyn. This is where you're supposed to cheer for Brooklyn, G. Oh, okay. Brooklyn in the house. 
She can't even she can't even fake it because she's a best coast person like me. We're gonna try to act like we care about Brooklyn because I know I do care like, about Brooklyn. Brooklyn Are you up, kidding? Right? Are you kidding? Brooklyn stand up. No, I was just waiting for you to finish. I didn't want to interrupt, you know. So like you know because I just That's interrupted a you a second ago. But yeah, yes, Brooklyn in the house. All my Brooklyn artist peeps out there. What's up? What's up? Um, when he was in high school, he went to Carter <laughs> High School. You done? I don't I'm understand. Sorry, that deep inhale, like, okay, I'm gonna get this out. <laughs> so Chief's gonna tell us which high school he went to, because I'd be forgetting. <laughs> he went to Bronx Science. Bronx Science, which is like absolutely amazing because it's like one of the best schools in the world has always been since like its inception. It's basically a public school, but it's a magnet. So it's like, it specializes in certain things like LaGuardia High is like that, but it's for the performing arts. Brooklyn also has its tech and science one too, but like just legit the bomb. I read a statistic that said it's number five or number four, number five of all public and private schools, high schools, in the country and is consistently recognized internationally for its academic excellence. So to have Stokely Carmichael, Pulitzer Prize winners and Nobel Peace Prize folks come out of there. Yes. Go Bronx. All right. Okay. That was a long, long explanation. <laughs> of the So anyways, while he was there. But it was thorough and factual. <laughs> and that's what we need in this world, right? Thorough facts. <laughs> Right. So at, at that time, he was um, inspired by the sit-ins in the South, and him and some other folks actually started sit-ins in White Castle up in New York because at that time they refused to actually have any Black employees. Wow. Um, so he joined uh, an organization called CORE, which is the Congress of Racial Equity, and helped join that movement up in the North. So he's already being an activist, and he hasn't even graduated high school yet. So he had a lot of offers to attend colleges all over the country, um, mm -hmm. and he chose Howard even though he had been accepted to a lot of historically white schools, he chose Howard because he thought that was going to be the best place for his education. And oh, at man. Howard, he excelled in a lot of ways. And he also joined SNCC. So those of you who don't know what SNCC is, it's the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee. They're the ones who did the sit-ins in the Woolworth, where they sat there in yep. the whites-only section and were yep. just abused and abused and abused. Had coffee thrown on them, had ketchup thrown on them, were pushed out of the chairs, kicked out of the chairs, and all they did was get mm -hmm. back and sit up. And yes. So <laughs> this is definitely not a nonviolent protest because they are subjecting themselves to violence. But what, And it's not a peaceful protest because to actually protest you actually have to cause some kind of disturbance and disruption, and disruption yeah right? and what yeah. it did is it made all these lunch counters not profitable so Woolworth actually pushed the for political change because they were just a national train trying to make money and they can't actually make money from their counters unless people are going to their stores because it's there's this huge huge disruption in their stores so they're losing money left and right which is one of the big onuses of actually changing just like the Selma bus uh, boycott it caught it was costing the system money and that's why they did it so you can't Wait, actually you mean have the Montgomery bus, um, bus they, boycott or yeah the Montgomery I'm sorry Montgomery no, but I, I have a question for you though on the on this Woolworth situation. Um, do you know from like your research whether whether the corporation was upset because their white patrons weren't coming anymore, or because the black people were there, or both? They they were upset mainly because they were losing money. 
right? And it didn't matter where it was coming from. It's just the fact that people weren't patronizing them. Because I'm wondering if it was because white people were also protesting that like, well, I'm not coming to your store if you're going to let those guys come in here, you know, that kind of thing. Or if it's like, well, you know, we're just... You know, well, I, I, I'm just wondering if any of that. Well, I mean, most likely it's just like, you know, you're trying to have like an enjoyable weekend shopping and you can't go <laughs> and, and the black have, folk have come. Well, <laughs> well, oh, well, you can't yeah. go and have lunch, right? Right. That was the main reason they had the lunch right. counter. So you could like go and eat and enjoy the whole day, blah, blah. It's like right. a like experience. Like a Herod's. Right. Yeah. And now yeah, you're, yeah. you're walking into kind of like a conflict zone, you know, with people there. There's media. There's, you know, all these other things. Like true, it's just true, true. Right, a whole different situation. Yeah. All right. So, um, so yeah, he was in SNCC and he started going along on the freedom rides um, through the South, which were people would get on buses in places where they weren't segregated and ride the bus to states where there was segregation and purposely not segregate. And of course, whenever they would land in the South, they would get arrested. He spent almost two mm-hmm. months in jail. They'd be beaten, assaulted, et cetera. All kinds of things were happening. Mm-hmm. So at this time, SNCC actually wanted to do more voter registration in addition to all the other things they were doing. So Stokely Carmichael went down to this place called Loundis County in Alabama. And in Loundis mm-hmm. County, African-Americans actually outnumbered the whites in the county. Wow. But there were only 70 black <laughs> registered voters in the whole county when he started. Okay. Black people already outnumbered white folk, but there were only 70. 70 out of what? Like 10,000? Like 70 out of seven? You know what I'm saying? Like, so there were, how bad was this? So at that time, there were 70 black voters and about 2,500 white voters registered. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's so equity for you. Okay. When... When Kwame Turia was finished, there were 2,600 African-American voters. So they actually outnumbered the white voters um, and actually had a majority and actually started to make some change in the local government. Mm, Wow. Wow. See how powerful a vote is. So Mm. what's, what's funny is neither the Democrats nor the Republicans would actually help him organize these people to vote. So he actually had to create his own party and... In Alabama, if you have a political party, you actually have to officially have a mascot. So he created the Black Panther and used a Black Panther as his mascot of the yes. right, of the County Freedom yes. Organization. Yes, yes. So that's that's where <laughs> the Black Panthers got the Black Panthers from. Is from that wow. mascot. Wow, so anyways, that's amazing. So after he finished doing that, he. When he was still a member of SNCC, and at this time there was actually a lot of, not necessarily controversy, but internal conflict about whether it can continue with the self kind of violence, going in, walking in, knowing you're going to be assaulted um, kind of protest or trying to go a different route. Um, and Kwame Tori was trying to go a different route, and he actually ended up being elected national chairman of SNCC in 1966. Oh, wow. So knowing his platform so, was going to go in a different direction, he was voted in. Correct. Okay. And that this is the time when John Lewis was the previous chairman who lost the election yeah. to to, uh, to Stokely Carmichael. Right. So they were there was a gentleman who was doing a freedom march in the South, and he was actually shot in the middle of his march. So SNCC decided to take up the march and finish it for him. Wow. And this was in 1966, and this is the time when Stokely Carmichael gave a speech where he said, We've been saying freedom, 
but from now on, we're going to start saying black power. And what he meant by that is he, he was trying to go ahead and assault all of the negative stereotypes that people have been told, all the things that have kind of tried to convince black people that we're not good enough, we're not smart enough, we're not athletic enough, we can't compete with white people athletically, intellectually, business-wise, et cetera, et cetera, beauty-wise, et cetera, et cetera. So he was setting out to decolonize the mind before, I'm, I'm not sure if that phrase had, phrase had gotten into academia yet, but that's basically what he was doing. Black that, power was a way to decolonize our existence. And that's in 1968, he wrote a book called Black Power, and he brings Sweet. up the colonization of the mind, colonization of everything, et cetera, et cetera. See? Wow. Wow. Loving it. There was still, uh, people in SNCC thought he was being too extreme at this point, and he actually ended up being a rep. Because he was saying black power. Okay, so the extreme, was the extreme coming from the fact that this was just, it it was ruffling too many feathers? Is that what it was? Correct. The people- Kind of like BLM now, it's just ruffling too many feathers because we say black lives (laughs) matter? Okay. It is the same kind of thing that- Wow. So people were- criticizing him by saying that he was scaring white people because of course like if black people are actually trying to get retribution instead of just live in equality and peaceful and not get killed on the streets then there you should have something to fear so he was he was basically becoming a boogeyman um to scare i just wondered if there were any people out there in the world in the 17th 18th 19th century that were telling white folks that they were scaring people <laughs> like you know like at some point somebody say wait 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 but you're scaring all the black folk maybe you want to be nicer to them or something like white people didn't exist before then you know that right oh okay i forgot about that yeah no no no, no. Yeah. you're right you're right you're the whole right. white race and black race thing was just created to keep the, the African slaves and the European serfs, indentured servants, what you want to call them, from actually uniting because there was a lot of, no, there were a lot of multiracial revolutions yeah, in the colonies. Mm-hmm. And they were like, hey, how do we stop this? And it's just like, okay, we'll give like the European serfs a little bit of uh, power over the Africans. And privilege, and, right. right. And they'll be so busy keeping them down, we can keep raping them, which is what, that's whole Trump, that was basically Trump's whole platform. So he got a lot of people who don't have the same interest in him saying like, I'm going to make sure you're better than the colored. So vote for me, even though I'm making your life worse and you're going to love me for it because I'm making you feel better than these people. So like white privilege is kind of a silly thing because you're not actually gaining anything by upholding racism. Like you're worse off with racism because there's still people raping you and you're not bothering to pay attention. So if you actually united with undocumented workers, then and raise their wages and improved how they were paid and how they were treated, then all workers will get paid more and treated better. Yeah. All, all, you know, that statement that I tried to figure out in the last season, all tides lift rising boats or whatever, all, you know, that one. <laughs> all tides, tides lift, rising tides lift all boats. Right. But Thank that's you. the thing. Exactly. So like you don't actually have privilege. You're actually just, you have the illusion of privilege and your life is worse off just because you want to feel like you're better than someone else because it distracts you from what's actually going on. So I think pushing the whole like white privilege thing, I think is not beneficial because it's not actually attacking the real problem and getting people to realize what actually is going on and get rid of the whole stupid racism theory because it's all made up and nonsense. 
because at that well, time, no, I agree. I agree that race as a social construct is just it's complete nonsense. But there is white privilege on that. On that, we disagree. I believe that white privilege being pointed out helps people to see where they benefit in a system at the same time that others are not benenefiting they don't benefit because they're not benefit if racism didn't exist they they're wouldn't benefiting. be any worse off they wouldn't okay, be worse so off. then maybe white point. privilege is a, is a euphemism for racism no, no <laughs> what maybe I'm that's is, it. No, this is what i'm saying racism doesn't help the average white person right because all the things that you have with privilege you would have whether racism existed or not well not in this current situation no how not at all if as if we had an equitable society, then we wouldn't be talking about privilege, right? But this is what I'm saying, Chi. So like basic mm-hmm. rights, like the right to go to school, right? Mm-hmm. Um, right to not necessarily be harassed by police, right? Mm-hmm. All those things would actually be better for the average white person if racism didn't exist. Because right now, when Black Lives Matter say, hey, the police are killing a lot of black people on there, we're living in a police state, white people are like, no. They kill a lot of white people too. You're trying to say racism exists. I'm going to back the blue. And despite the fact that police kill a lot of white people too and harass a lot of poor white people, instead of fighting for their right to have police in the United States kill less people overall, they're busy trying to defund BLM and trying to fight against BLM when it's actually in their own interest to decrease the police state so less of them will be assaulted and killed too. It is. And in that I agree, but that's what white privilege is. White privilege allows you to think that despite the fact that you are still being impacted, that somehow you're better off. And when you have that level of confidence to go out into the world and still believe the world is working for you, that's privilege. That's, that's, that's all I'm saying is that like for you to be able to, to, to know that you are being hurt or, or to know that there are facts suggesting that not only the police are killing black people, but they're also killing you, that, that there are many poor white people in this country that are not doing well and are having the same issues as other people who are rich, but happen to be of a different, quote, ethnic group, that, that to, to, be, to see all of that and still think that that voting a particular way or having a certain ideology is going to somehow protect you is a privilege. It's also a delusion. That, that's, that's I agree with you, it's a delusion. I'm saying it's making your life worse. So it's not really a privilege. It's, your life is actually worse off with racism. White people's lives are worse off with racism than they would be without it because they're so busy trying to fight all the colored people that they don't realize that the few people in power are actually making their lives worse. They can't actually get together for workers' rights, for socialized medicine, for things that would actually improve their lives, raising the minimum wage, unionizing, getting rid of the quote-unquote right-to-work states and right-to-work laws, which basically defund unions, et cetera. Mm -hmm. They can't see all those things because they're busy thinking that their lives are better than the colored people. But anyways. Right, because because there are some, in some tangible ways, their life is better. And as long as I can, you know, get my money into my bank account and be able to buy cable and drive a certain way and do all of this kind of stuff, it's going to be okay for me. And I don't have to worry about them. That's still a privilege. But yes, racism impacts all of them. Racism to the point where I guess its impact on white people makes them oblivious. Huh? You want night night or what do you want? You want agua? Okay. I'll get you some agua. You want to talk into the mic? 
Say hi. Hi. Hi, Kalu. Say what you normally say. Are you gonna announce the race? Announce the race. Or you can go back to the race. Ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen. All right, so getting back to Kwame Ture. So he's still Stokely Carmichael at this time. So in 67, he decides to go on a trip around the world and deliver and visit a bunch of socialist countries. So he goes to Cuba, he goes to North Vietnam, he goes to China, and he goes to Guinea. And this, wow. at this point, he develops a theory of what he calls Pan-Africanism, which kind of unites all people of the African diaspora. And also he also starts to talk about things like becoming humanist. And instead of trying to integrate into American society, he wants to create a whole different society because he doesn't want to join the middle class and still know that there are people in the lower class that are being exploited. Mm-hmm. So he thinks that the whole system should just needs a total upheaval because the system is corrupt and has been set up to be corrupt from the beginning. <laughs> I know, I know. Khalil might moving. have some objections with that one. <laughs> He's scared. He's like, the system is corrupt. How am I going to grow up in a corrupt system? Exactly. Daddy, what are you doing about this? Right. So when he returns to the United States, he becomes a prime minister of the Black Panther Party. So mm-hmm. his time with them is actually fairly short because Hoover, who was the FBI director, labeled him as the most dangerous person to the United States in the whole world because he was developing this theory of black power and uniting all people, not just black people, but Latinos, Vietnamese mm-hmm. people, Chinese, everyone who was in the working class in general, and building up the middle class, Marxism, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. So he became a victim of what the FBI was calling, labeled COINTELPRO. And mm-hmm. there were so many CIA agents in the Black Panther Party, They act, the CIA agents actually started claiming, telling and making rumors that Kwame Ture was a CIA agent. So eventually Huey Newton started repeating it and Kwame decided that he needed to do South of the United States because it wasn't a safe place for him to exist. So he moves to Guinea at this time and becomes active in their movement of electing a socialist leader. Um, And so, you know, continue to write and give speeches. He actually came back to the United States before he passed away and actually got to see him um, at the University of Florida. Go Gators. um, In about 96, I believe. Um, and he ended up passing away from prostate cancer in 68. 68? Mm. Um, six, I'm sorry, 98. <laughs> I'm like, dang, you going back in time We're now? Okay. 60s, right? yes. I hope I wasn't in here. Right, before, right? Yeah, so in, yeah, in, in, in 98, he ended up passing away. Wow. But all of us should go ahead and read Black Power, yeah, it's a great um, which book. he wrote in 68, because it's, it's highly utilized, or you could, it, it's highly relatable for today. And also remember that at that time, not only Starkly Carmichael, but even Martin Luther King at that time was criticized and hated. He was one of the most hated people in the United States at that mm-hmm. time. And the criticism he said is that his protests turned violent. Yeah. Same thing that they're <laughs> that he was saying asking now. For too much. Right. That there wasn't actually a race problem. It's just that he was going around creating problems because he was a foreign person coming in and riling up the local Negroes who were happy. Right. All of the same speeches, like the Kentucky Attorney General claimed that all these celebrities from other places are coming to Kentucky and messing up, causing it's problems. It's the exact same thing. They're saying thing. Right, the exact same thing. So if you have a problem with Black Lives Matter, most likely you would hate Martin Luther King too. 
And I just want to give say one more thing is fuck Bill Clinton for criticizing stuff. You, you do realize your son is there. He's sleeping. Okay, um, um, pause. I'm glad he's sleeping. Um, because Bill, having wanted the Democratic Party to become a party, is there a nicer way to say it? That's all I'm saying. Like, why? Oh, why do we have to say there fuck Bill Clinton? There isn't. There isn't. There isn't. Because he masterminded the mass incarceration of African-Americans and Latinos in, in this country. So for him to try to say that Stokely Carmichael in some way was a hindrance to the black struggle, knowing that he was part of the reaction, the horrible reaction to ending desegregation, to ending slavery, he basically recreated slavery in the United States. There's more African-Americans that are actually in jail working for slave wages than there were slaves in the United States during the Civil War. So Bill Clinton was part of the horrible reactionary, extreme racist response to ending segregation. So one, he should have never been anywhere near John Lewis's funeral. And two, he has no right to try to claim that he's he knows what's good for us colored people and Stokely Carmichael is somehow a problem. Well, one, you don't know if that's what he still thinks because one, Sto- two, Stokely Carmichael is dead. Bill Clinton is still alive. And three, there has to be a moment where somebody is allowed to change their mind or evolve. I mean, the same thing happened with Barack, who was not okay, at least legally, with the idea of there being equality in marriage. But then he changed his mind. So before that, if we're going to say like, okay, well, Barack Obama is bad because before he didn't think that and now he does, like there has to be some allowance. Let's be honest, Barack Let's be honest, Barack Obama never cared one way or the other about marriage equality. He claimed that he was he had to run on a super Christian platform to be elected. And once it was no longer really popular, he then admitted that what he really probably felt about it the whole time is that he didn't really care what about sexual orientation. Well, why can't you say and, the same thing about Bill Clinton or any of these other people? Like that, that why can't the same logic be attributed to Bill Clinton has never, ever, ever apologized for mass incarceration. Okay, I have to do Hillary Clinton um, was given the opportunity to and kicked a protester out of her paid speech. And then as soon as the protester left, she said, let's talk about what's actually important. When the protester had come, what should we call it? had challenged her on her use of the word super predator to try to get the mass incarceration bill um, for poultry, et cetera. She kicked her out, even though she had paid thousands of dollars to be there. And as soon as she was removed, she said, let's talk about what's actually important. I don't know. In 2015, Bill Clinton did apologize and say he did make it worse. It may not have been as bad as you or as good as you would like it to be. I am just saying, but I mean, in this you, world, you're talking about putting millions of people in jail, and all you say is like, "Oh, I'm sorry." Like, no, okay. did he actually give any of these people any of his and, money? And, He's and a what else? What right? is he? Did he go to and do? give? What else go and is give he money literally to supposed to do? And and I'm asking this because he, he is no longer in power. Millions of dollars. He, is he can no give millions of dollars in reparations. Khalil. What needs right, to change? No, no, no. What needs to change is not us. Blaming people in the past for their crazy actions, it's holding accountable the system that exists right now. And that same exi- that same system did exist when he was there and when Thomas Jefferson was there, okay? But the, the, the anger and vitriol, and this is where I'm coming from, that we have against people who do not think like us and do crazy things, 
we need to channel that into change, like little change. If we don't like the how the way somebody apologized, whether a Trump supporter or a Biden supporter or a Harris supporter or whatever, what we need to do is change the system because attacking them and making them out to be X, well, Y, and Z, even if they've evolved or didn't evolve, does not address the what issue. I'm, this is what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. Forgiving people that don't for, that don't deserve I didn't your ask, forgiveness. I didn't say anything about forgiveness. Them, listen, listen, let me finish. Forgiving people that don't deserve your forgiveness, that are not repentant, just gives them an excuse to continue to abuse exactly. you. Exactly. So this is why whenever there's a black person murdered, the first thing the reporters do to their family members is, do you forgive that person yes. for murdering your child? That is what you're doing with Bill Clinton. Like, there, there is no, no reason I to know. believe that. No, that is not what I'm doing with Bill Clinton. I have so not said one saying. thing about listen forgiveness. I have not listen, said anything about saying. forgiveness. I said listen, put listen to focus what on what is important right now. That is right. getting so what, what this is what's important. So Bill Clinton, right, has President millions and millions and millions of dollars. Okay. Has millions and millions and millions of dollars, right? He could actually pay reparations to the people that he put in jail for no reason, to their children okay. who lost out on parents. Right. To right. So if he did that. Then yeah, I will stop saying fuck Bill Clinton. But until then, fuck Bill Clinton, fuck his mom. Well, why fuck don't his you friends. why don't you tell him to go and do that? Why don't you create a campaign that says, Bill Clinton, you need to instead of like saying, Okay, fuck you, Bill Clinton, that sounds very sensational, but it doesn't get at to at the issue. And that's what I'm saying. You change the system. So what I'm saying is people. do not do not invite Bill Clinton into black spaces because all he did was come and play a saxophone and talk jive in black churches so he could get our votes while he raped us. And so until he actually accountable. puts an effort, listen, that's what I'm saying. I am. So until he actually makes a real effort to pay reparations for the things he did, don't invite him into any black spaces. And if I see him, I'm going to flip him off. And I understand, like, there's a, there's a, there's a theory about forgiving people and how like, you know, holding anger is a problem, et cetera. But that theory has never actually been studied. And what I'm seeing in with black America is there's a constant ask for forgiveness and it continues to make an excuse for further abuse. Right. And all I'm saying is I have not once said, nor will I say forgive. That's not what I'm asking for. What I'm asking for is to hold people's feet to the fire and make them accountable. If the accountability is start a movement saying Bill Clinton needs to pay reparations the same way that Mike Bloomberg is going and paying the bail for all of these um, felons <laughs> down in Florida, great. Like literally that, I mean, that's what I, that's where I feel like our focus needs to be as a country. Like all we, I don't know, maybe it's because I've been watching The Social Dilemma, which is on Netflix and reading all this stuff about like technology and like how it's creating more and more gaps and disparities and alternate realities for everybody, right? Like at some point we are being we are being manipulated into getting more angry instead of holding people accountable. And that's that is that is all I'm saying in all of this is that we need to get we need to hold people, especially those people who are in power accountable, no longer allowing for certain behaviors to be condoned or continue. Yeah. And like you said, don't let people into those spaces, into, um, into safe spaces who have not shown themselves to be trustworthy or to, um, 
prioritize our own safety. Okay, that's fine. That's great. That is action that we can we can put our motivation and intent behind that creates the change that we need to see. I just don't think we need to be saying F you, F you to this person and that person. They're like, it's like that's not that's not changing a thing. That was my that was my point. I'm not disagreeing that there's negative history. I think I think what it does is it it stops the illusion that that is our ally. So one thing, one other thing, going back to Kwame Tori mm-hmm. is that, so there was a lot of, like, just like we're having a disagreement about what's going on, what the best path is. At the time, there was a disagreement between what type of protests are useful and what aren't. But Kwame Tori kind of summed it up well, because no form of protest was going to work, because no matter what form of protest you have, for change to happen, the people in power have to have a conscience. And the United States has shown over and over they have no conscience. And if they had one, we wouldn't have to be protesting because you wouldn't have George Floyd murdered in the streets, slowly tortured with five different video cameras. And the district attorney's response would be, I need more evidence. You wouldn't have Breonna Floyd being murdered in her own home, I'm sorry, Brianna Taylor being murdered in her home and the attorney general misreporting basic facts like the ballistics report. Her boyfriend didn't shoot the police officer. The police officers shot each other. Yep. And they tried to actually arrest, they actually arrested and charged her boyfriend with shooting one of the police officers when they shot each other. Yes. No, I, I totally agree. I'm the, right. The, you have to have a conscience if you think you're going to to change something. Goes back to what I was saying before. When when somebody doesn't have an understanding of what they need to do, you set boundaries. You hold them accountable, right. and you say, "Okay, if this is how you want to behave, this is where you stay." Here's the thing: in the current system that we have right now, where whiteness ideology reigns supreme, right? That that is the power structure. They keep setting boundaries and saying, nope, you cannot do this. You cannot go there. We can shoot you here. You can be anywhere in the world and we will make sure to make sure we'll make sure that your life is like a living hell. That's, that's literally what their boundaries are, right? What we need to do because we have more power. There's more of us now than ever before. There's more intellectual knowledge out there and less less ignorance about what is taking place that we can also set boundaries. We can also say, you're not going to go here and we're not going to give you our dollars. We're not going to give you our vote. We are not going to give you our time. We're going to reclaim that too in order to move the needle because none of this appealing to feelings is going to get us anywhere. If appealing to feelings was it, we wouldn't have cults. We, we wouldn't have the cult of Trump. People would have left his fellowship and had joined, you know, the other side. Well, that's why they are in the cult is because I mean, he makes them feel good. He makes them feel powerful. I mean, he, he gives them the sense that they are part of the power structure. So that's why they, they follow him. That's ridiculous. I don't under, I, I keep saying I don't understand, but I'm starting to realize that, that the world that we live in is many different worlds. And it just depends on how you want to consume your information. That is literally the information that you're getting. And that we are not literally on the same page the way that we need to be in order to overturn a system or create a new one altogether. 
one that is more equitable, I'll keep saying it, one that allow, that realizes healthcare is a right, one that understands that climate change is real, one that says that student debt and debt in general just doesn't make sense. And how about you have enough money to live and eat and, and be able to go to the beach or the mountains or, or the valley, wherever the heck you want to go and just be happy and have some dignity. When The fact that we can't all be on the same page as that and then channel whatever motivations, energy we have towards achieving. What in the world is wrong with us? What is what is I mean, wrong with us as people? I mean, it's been the same since kind of civilization started. Like there were certain people that were really aggressive about having more in society. And we created a lot of systems where there was always one class that had the majority of things. And all society is thought to look down on the lower class. Right. So even in the United States, poor people hate poor people. So <laughs> no, but seriously, like actually, yeah, you love yeah, on that you thing. love billionaires, mm-hmm. you love billionaires, and you hate the average poor person. And it's if you're poor, it's because you're stupid and lazy, or a combination. Mm. And so, like, you can't, it's harder to get the motivation for a more egalitarian society. Even like simple things, like raising the minimum wage, or unions asking for higher wages for their particular union, like they become unpopular, which doesn't make any sense. They become unpopular because they're disrupting the system because they're saying, we don't like the status quo. It's not fair enough. Right. Right. Like we just need more. We just need more people saying we need to disrupt the status quo because it's not fair enough. We need more of those people. It's not fair enough. And at some point, because as I'm hearing your son in the background, I'm like, yeah. what world is he going to grow up in? If we can't even get our act together this year, <laughs> right? Like clearly we've messed up the last 40 years because we're at this point, right? Or right. okay, let's say the last 20 years since the turn of the century. Like we've had global pandemic um, uh, surveillance teams in place. We've had, um, you know, bills to help with uh, um, healthcare to make it affordable and accessible to everybody. I mean, we've had, we were in um, the uh, the climate change, the Paris Treaty. We were doing all of these things <laughs> to set ourselves up for something better. Even though like, yes, in terms of politics, we had to make some compromises, that some that we didn't like, some that we did like and whatnot, but we were moving forward only to have in one fell swoop Somebody dismantle that. Well, it's your it's your buddy Hillary Clinton's fault. Because she lost. No, it's because she didn't allow for an actual election to happen. Because she was so butthurt. Because she was she was seriously no no but seriously so I mean whatever so I do I don't like them but so and she was mad that she lost to Barack Star in two thousand eight. Yeah, no, in 2016, she didn't allow any other Democrats to run against her. Like, she threatened all the other Democrats. Why weren't there any other Democrats in the actual race? Like, Bernie Sanders is not a Democrat. He right, only ran right. because he's like, Hillary Clinton is not a good candidate. And you can argue whether she should be or shouldn't. But the main fact is, is that there's a lot of people who dislike her. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he agrees with you. He does. He's, just throwing, he's throwing toys around in the background. He's upset. He's like, I have something to say too, Daddy. <laughs> no, he just the dump truck is dumping out toys. Mm. That's how we roll. That's how we roll. So, 
No, it's just that she's very unpopular. Like, she shouldn't have lost to Barack Obama. If she's really, like, the best candidate ever, like the pundits were trying to say, she shouldn't have lost to a junior senator. Mind you, Barack Obama's a very good politician. Yeah, I was going but to still, say, he went from on. being. Nobody could have. No, but. <laughs> No, if you look at how he was polling very low before, like before we really started running, mm-hmm. right? Like he wasn't actually in the race, but since she's not a popular person, she ended up losing to him. And Bernie Sanders went from polling at three percent to making a challenge against her, even though he ran like a really late last minute uh, uh, candidacy and still challenged her. So it's not surprising that she lost the general election or lost the electoral college. Because sh- people don't like her, yeah, and well, you can well, argue well, why, well, why they don't. I'm going to say, but that. the fact, the fact that they don't like her, she's not. She was. She was the only candidate that Trump, Trump would have beaten in 2016. No, you know, here's the thing: Hillary Clinton is a woman in a misogynistic society. Number one, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with anything you said. I'm just saying I agree with that. Woman in a misogynistic society that did exactly by the rules. The only the only critique I might have in her entire campaign is that she didn't read the tea leaves. Some of us are tired AF with expensive health care. Some of us are tired AF with rising debt. Some of us are tired AF of not being able to secure a job that provides a living wage. And even though she played by the rules, the tides were turning underneath. If you can elect a black man to office, then maybe you can start revolutionizing the system. And I don't think she knew that. I don't think she, she didn't. She it. didn't. She didn't play by the rules. But also, she her politics did exactly what you're supposed to do. She went to school. She became a lawyer. She helped on on all the issues that you're supposed to do, at least within the Democratic Party. She she rose. She went to become junior senator of a state that she hadn't even lived in in New York. She literally did it the way men have been doing it for centuries. Came up there no, and said, "I'm, I'm going to be president," and they didn't. She she didn't. The Democratic Party didn't actually play by the rules when they nominated her. Doesn't matter. They chose they were her be- by the male instead group. of actually. But anyways, but also her politics. As the truck rolls around, <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Her politics align with white male conservatives, but they hate her because she's a woman. Exactly. So, like I'm saying, but what I'm saying is that still makes her a bad candidate to win. Not justifying it, just that it is. Ain't that right, Khalil? No. Come here. Come in, come introduce ladies and gentlemen again. Come say ladies and gentlemen. Come on. He's like that. <laughs> now what? Championship best race car ever race. Which race is it? Which race is it? Championship best race car ever race. Championship best race car ever race. Okay, I, I'm I'm mad at how parents are so able to translate their children's language. <laughs> I'm like, that is not what he said, but yet it is. Because <laughs> he said it before, and we know, and we know exactly. We have our own own discussion. In, in all of this, in all of this discussion, I'm gonna mm-hmm. take it back to sports. Remember how I was saying before that I don't understand why there's all these sports mm-hmm. going on during the pandemic. I have figured out why. Sports is the final frontier 
it's the last place where at least all of us can agree on the outcome that has been presented to itself. We might not agree on the referees and their calling behavior, but the score is the score and the win-loss column is the win-loss column and we can go forward. I feel like that's the last place where there's some objectivity. Unless you're, unless you're a Dallas Cowboys fan and don't know the rules about <laughs> catching a ball. Or if you're like the, the, the Washington football team that can't get its act together, all of this stuff that is coming out about them. And then they put a black president in there. Jason, Jason Wright, I think is his name. Put a black president in there and, and knowing that this stuff was coming up. Because they're like, here, you yeah. fix it. And I, I remember when he was named, I was like, oh, no, something up, something is about They're to setting him up. They set they're up. setting him up. They know that they're going to be like, there's going to be some what? problems. So they're going to act like, okay, we hired one yep. once and, and, and he had problems. So, right. After he gets everything going in the right direction, they're going to get rid of him. Same thing that happened with the Raiders general manager. Right. He actually revived him, had him going in the right direction. And then they're like, okay, we're going to get John Gruden. He doesn't like you. So, so bye. bye. Thanks. Kick rocks. Thanks no. for picking us up out of the garbage right. and making us a decent team. And yeah, go home and sit down now. Like that's, that's, an, and, that is literally yeah. society every day with a black man or black right. woman. Like, I mean, that's like, thanks. Thanks Obama. <laughs> right. But we're going to go and F up the system now. <laughs> right. Anyway, yeah, good conversation. So next week, what are we going to do <laughs> next week? She is going to bring us someone from BLM before it's a BLM. Before, Before it was BLM, hail to the three sisters who founded the Black Lives Matter movement. Oh wait, does he want to bring somebody too? Because you know we we got room. Actually, I'd prefer him over Hello, you right you're now. Gonna be on, you're gonna be on. You're gonna be on this thing next next time. You want to go some more, ladies and gentlemen? Ladies and gentlemen, Say we out. Peace. We out. Peace. <laughs> yes.